the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Plan Your Estate Radio with your host, San Jose Estate Planning Attorney Bob Bergman. Bob's been practicing law for over 30 years and is certified by the State Bar of California as a legal specialist in estate planning, trust, and probate law. Bob is here to help you set your house in order with valuable insights you can use today to prepare a better tomorrow for your loved ones. And now, your host for Plan Your Estate Radio, Attorney Bob Bergman. Good afternoon, Bay Area. This is your host, Estate Planning Attorney Bob Bergman, broadcasting from my office here in the Cambrian Park area of San Jose. Um, I'm going to probably follow my usual format today of questions and comments from around the state of California. But if you'd like to call in because you have a question, you can always call 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. And I will take your question on the air and answer it to the best of my ability. Now, a lot of changes going on in my uh, my practice right now. I'm uh, very close, I think, within a week or so of rolling out a completely redone website for my practice, and I'm going to be restructuring uh, my process as well. Uh, up to this point, uh, I've been doing uh, consultations for people that um, basically uh, anybody who wanted to schedule a consultation could just go onto my website, uh, click on a link, and schedule a consultation with me on just about any estate planning subject. That is going to be uh, getting revised a little bit going forward. Instead, uh, what I'll be doing soon is giving you the ability to book a call with me. It will probably be about a 15-minute phone call uh, where I'm going to primarily be asking you some questions. Uh, There'll be a little bit of information that you would provide to me, but I'll be asking you questions about uh, starting first and foremost, why do you want to speak with an estate planning attorney? Because that's what I am. I'm not a will lawyer. I'm not a trust lawyer. Um, I don't sell wills and trusts and things like that. I'm an estate planning attorney, and there is a distinction. Uh, this is what I do as my actual professional legal specialty in the law. I, I'm certified by the State Bar Board of Legal Specialization as a specialist in estate planning, trust, and probate law which puts me in a universe of attorneys that is quite a bit smaller than the number of attorneys in California that, quote, do wills and trusts. Uh, For example, in Santa Clara County, where I practice, 
I think there's about a hundred attorneys out of the thousands of attorneys that practice in this county that are actually certified in the area of estate planning, trust, and probate law. And I'm, I am one of those attorneys. Um, much like the medical profession has specialists in various aspects of medicine, um, the uh, legal profession has specialists as well. Uh, and if you go statewide between all the different specializations of the state bar, and there's about, I think about 15 different practice areas that have specialization, only about three in every 100 attorneys in the state are specialists in some kind of legal specialty. Uh, that doesn't mean that the other 97 are lousy attorneys. It just means that for whatever reason, they have not taken the time or the uh, the uh, experience uh, to to go through the process of becoming board certified as a specialist in their practice area. Uh, many attorneys, maybe even most attorneys, actually do not specialize in one practice area. They're what are called general practitioners, much like a general practice doctor. And that means that they might do three, four, five, six, seven, eight different areas of law that they practice in, uh, which means that they kind of do a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and uh, they might be pretty good at one or two areas, uh, or they may be just kind of average at three or four or five areas. Um, so general practice attorneys are fine for many things as long as they're not complicated. I consider estate planning to be a complicated practice area. Uh, I've been doing estate planning as an attorney since uh, pretty much my second year of practice when I started doing estate planning with a firm here in San Jose on the Alameda in San Jose near Santa Clara University, my law school alma mater. And uh, that's when I started in the field of estate planning. That's when I started doing seminars in the area of estate planning, which I've been doing ever since that time. And uh, and I became a full-born or full-blown legal specialist uh, a number of years ago. And it's all I do as an attorney is estate planning. It's a lot more than just uh, writing wills and trusts. In fact, with my approach in my practice, I will be focusing, if you choose to come in and, uh, and book a call with me and then actually uh, qualify for a more detailed consultation with me, and I say qualified for because not everybody that I talk to is uh, is really appropriate for me to assist for any number of reasons. Uh, either they have a, a legal situation that's not something that I can help them with, or um, they are their expectation is that I'm going to be charging a whole lot less than what I actually do charge for my for my services as a specialist. Um, and and there also may be issues where even though I'm pretty easygoing and I get along with most everybody, every now and then someone comes in to talk with me or consult with me 
and they're just as not a good fit in terms of personalities, and and that's fine. Um, years ago, I worked with an attorney uh, in his firm, and we actually did seminars together. Great guy, a different personality from me, but we would do joint seminars together, and he would start off the seminar, and then he'd pass the little hand clicker to me to advance the PowerPoint slides, and then I would take over a section of the seminar and then pass it back to him. And uh, because we were two different people and two different personalities and two different styles, we made it clear to the people attending the seminar that you may kind of click with one of us and not the other one. Uh, fortunately, you have the ability to, to have two people here that you that uh, are presenting to you can kind of get to know them get their get to know their personalities and uh, then if you'd like to actually consult uh, you can decide who you want to consult with between the two of us well I don't have that option because there's just one of me but I will say that kind of as a general rule um, people have no problem consulting with me um, if if you do want to come in and fight with me or try to show me uh, your knowledge of estate planning and wills and trusts and everything to try to impress me, uh, that's fine, but it means we're probably not going to have a very productive meeting. So I would suggest ahead of time, don't bother contacting me if you just want someone to show, uh, uh, to prove how brilliant you are uh, in in the law and estate planning. Uh, you might very well be brilliant, but we're not going to work together if uh, work together well if you're not pretty teachable in that regard. So, uh, we're coming up on the first break of the show today. When we come back, I'll jump into questions and comments from around the state of California. So, this is attorney Bob Bergman, host of Plan Your State Radio, and I will talk with you after the break. This is Plan Your Estate Radio with San Jose estate planning attorney Bob Bergman on AM 1220 KDOW. Hi, welcome back. I'm going to jump right into questions and comments from around the state of California. We'll start with one out of Riverdale, California. Riverdale? I, I don't really know where Riverdale is. Maybe someone could uh, enlighten me on that. I'll have to look it up later. Uh, this person says, I have power of attorney for my father who has dementia. A family member has been in my father's home for seven months, not paying rent. How do I evict this person? This is apparently a cousin. It's been saying, staying in dad's home for six months, not paying rent or any other contributions. Um, want to make? I want to evict her. Want to make sure I do everything legally. Well, if you have the power for attorney for the father, uh, that means that you actually. Um, and the father's property is not in a trust. We'll kind of use that. Uh, that means you have the authority over his property. And uh, in a case like this, you would evict this cousin in the same way you would evict any tenant, which is to go to and hire an eviction service or eviction attorney, uh, have the cousin given uh, a notice to vacate uh, because they're living there, they what's called a tenant at will. 
if there's no rental agreement or agreement to pay money, then uh, they'll have to be given a notice to uh, to uh, quit the property or leave the property. I believe it's a 30-day notice if you're a tenant at will. Then if the if the cousin doesn't move out voluntarily, you can start an unlawful detainer. That's the eviction lawsuit and uh, get a judgment from the court and then uh, have the uh, sheriff, if necessary, enforce the judgment and have the cousin physically removed from the property. Now, everything I'm saying right now is subject to any restrictions on eviction that might be floating around there in uh, counties uh, due to COVID-19. There's been some uh, moratoria throughout the state on evictions uh, in some areas, and you'd have to consult with local local eviction council uh, attorney to find out whether or not you're subject to those kinds of restrictions where uh, down there in Riverdale uh, or up there in Riverdale, California. Like I said, I'm not sure exactly where Riverdale is. Okay, uh, question. How do I put my late father's property in my name? He left no will, but I'm his only child. He was married to my stepmother, but she died four months before him. Uh, My father died in 2019. My aunt tried to keep his property. I found out a year later. I'm the only next of kin. Now I need to put the property and assets in my name. How do I do that? I need to be assigned executor of his estate. Would actually be administrator because it sounds like the father had no will. Uh, If there was a will, the person appointed by a court to handle someone's estate in probate is the executor. If there is no will, it's the administrator. Um, Same basic job, just different title. Um, Says the property's in Hesperia, California, so I need a lawyer in the San Bernardino area. Uh, This person's exactly right. You need to consult with an attorney and start a probate to uh, actually an intestate probate, uh, petition the court to be appointed administrator of your father's estate, and then uh, ultimately uh, the property would pass to you through intestate succession because if you're an only child, um, then you're the first one in priority to receive a distribution of an intestate estate, and that is the spouse. Since the uh, since his uh, stepmother died four months earlier, assuming that the stepmother was not on the title to the property in any way, then that would be the process to do, which is to go through the whole probate process, unfortunately. There's really no way around that. Okay. Um, what's the best way to handle home improvement costs on a home that's in a trust? My mother passed away a few months ago and listed me as her sole beneficiary of a condo uh, held in her trust. I've spent about $40,000 of my personal savings to renovate the condo to list it as a rental prior to the title being transferred to my name. Should I have the trust reimburse me for my expenses? Uh, And if I do so, will I still be able to claim those expenses on my taxes for this rental property? Well, If you are the sole beneficiary, then that means when your mother passed away, kind of technically that condo now belongs to you. And any money you use to fix it up as a rental 
is money you're essentially spending as the owner of the property to use it for a rental. And uh, those kinds of expenditures typically can be written off on your taxes as uh, business expenses uh, for a rental property, much like if you're paying taxes and insurance, maintenance on the property, things like that. Um, Having the trust reimburse you kind of makes no sense because everything in the trust is going to you anyway, so you'd be paying yourself back money that's already yours. Um, This kind of thing, I would send somebody to go talk with an accountant uh, to sort out whether or not they can actually take that personal money and uh, and write it off as an expense to uh, fix up the rental property as a as a maintenance expense on that rental property, uh, and that's something that I think a good accountant would assist better than an estate planning attorney such as myself. It's like I've said before, uh, I have answers to many questions, and uh, there are certain questions where I defer to other professionals. I don't give financial investment advice. I defer to financial planners for that. I do not give um, a certain amount of tax advice unless I'm versed in the particular tax, like estate and gift tax, income tax to a certain extent. But things like what you can and can't write off, uh, taxation of, of corporations and things like that, I don't get involved in that. I defer to accountants for that purpose because I have found that... Uh, a good, solid accountant is going to be a better person to consult with than me in reference to many tax questions. Okay, moving on here. Are things purchased after a marriage and placed in one spouse's living trust still considered community property in California? Hmm. So if one spouse makes a valuable purchase after marriage and includes it in their irrevocable trust, Are those items protected from California law of community property? Will this law apply for investment earnings? Will jewelry be included? A lot of questions there, but really the question becomes, where did the money come from to buy this valuable purchase? If it came from one spouse's separate property and they bought it and put it into their irrevocable trust, it would generally not be community property. But if it was purchased with community funds, meaning money from the marriage, then the other spouse does have a community property interest in that property, and the first spouse making the purchase can't just kind of give away that interest by putting it into their own trust and saying, this is all mine. Okay, coming up on the bottom of the hour... Uh, After the break, we'll come back with more Plan Your Estate Radio and questions and comments from around California. I'll talk with you after the break. This is attorney Bob Bergman. Now, back to Plan Your Estate Radio with attorney Bob Bergman. Hi, welcome back. So I'm going to continue with more questions and comments from around the state of California. And uh, we've got one right here. Um, If a husband and wife hold title as joint tenants, is there any way for the wife to transfer her interest to her children? 
The deed is titled as joint tenants and does not specifically say there are rights of survivorship. However, it's my understanding that the rights of survivorship are inherent in joint tenancy in California. Is this correct? Yes, that is correct. Uh, you could say joint tenants in joint tenancy, joint tenants with right of survivorship. All three of those mean exactly the same thing. The right of survivorship is a feature inherent in joint tenancy. Um, but here's the deal. Uh, normally, if you have two people who own property as joint tenants, uh, one of the joint tenants could transfer their interest to anyone they wish. But in the case of a married couple, even though the title says joint tenancy, you still have to ask the question, is the property in fact community property? Was it acquired by the husband and wife using money from the marriage? If that's the case, there is really no right of one of the spouses to give away their half of the property to someone else, even if it's titled as joint tenants. And the reason for that is community property cannot be given away without the consent of the other spouse. Um, now, this this was um, brought home kind of forcefully, and I can I can actually remember the the name of the owner of I think it was the Lakers, um, who got caught uh, on on film and tape and everything with his mistress, and uh, and it led to his divorce. And uh, and his wife divorcing him and getting a a good chunk of change and fortune uh, in the context of that divorce because uh, he had a mistress. Now, this mistress, he had provided an apartment for her and apparently it also provided her with things like, oh, fur coats. Well, his ex-wife sued the mistress for the return of the fur coats to the marriage property, to the community property, uh, because I think probably it's quite self-evident that she was not going to consent to money from the marriage being used to pay for fur coats for her husband's mistress. And, uh, and so she had the right to sue for anything he had given his mistress that was bought and paid for with money from the marriage because uh, that was community property, the money from the marriage, and he was giving it away if he was spending it on someone without his wife's consent. So that's really how community property works. Um, and in the case of a joint tenancy ownership of property, just because it says joint tenants on the title doesn't mean it is a true joint tenancy where each joint tenant really owns a half interest in the property. It could still be community property for purposes of the um, family law here in California, and uh, and you really can't transfer away your half of community property, or rather your, yeah, your half of community property, even if it's titled as joint tenancy. Uh, so this is one of those questions where you need a lot more information and uh, and the chances are very, very good that uh, the property cannot repeat, cannot be just given away or transferred away 
by one spouse without the other spouse's consent. Okay. Um, Okay, now here. My half-brother, the successor of my father, um, had uh, his attorney help him transfer um, his inheritance out of my father's trust and as his sole and separate property. The attorney was the one to notarize the documents doing the transfer. Is she allowed to notarize those documents, or is there a conflict of interest? Well, there wouldn't be any conflict of interest. In fact, you'd normally expect the attorney, for example, handling um, the trust or assisting of the administration to draw up the paperwork to transfer property out of that trust. I, I do that on a regular basis. I'm a notary. And uh, and I will notarize the transfer document um, in order to transfer the property out. So there's no conflict of interest there um, because the person, the attorney acting as a notary, um, does not have a financial interest in the outcome of the transaction other than being paid to do the paperwork and maybe charging for the notarization. But um, But... That there is no conflict of interest if the attorney notarizes those documents. Some attorneys don't have a notary uh, certificate. They, they're not a notary public. Uh, I've been a notary public over 40 years, uh, notary public over 40 years, and uh, I notarize documents for my clients all the time. So that's not an unusual thing at all. Okay, here out of Los Angeles, as my uncle recently passed, his trust states that his stock shares are to be distributed equally between eight nieces and nephews. Is the trustee obligated to distribute the stock as shares as indicated, or can the trustee elect to pay the beneficiaries in cash? Well, if it says give the stock, then you give the stock because that's what was left to these eight nieces and nephews. Now, um, the trustee might ask them, would you rather I sell the stock and give you cash instead? And, and, and at least as to any niece or nephew that says, yes, um, I'd like my share sold and give me cash, please. There wouldn't be any real problem with that. Um, that's, uh, but, but really, the better thing is to distribute the shares out of the trust and let each individual beneficiary decide whether they want to keep the shares, sell the shares, sell some of the shares, keep some of the shares, whatever they want to do. Um, but the primary obligation, I think, would be to distribute the shares as the shares, unless the trustee is told otherwise by a beneficiary, saying, you know, you could sell them and give me the cash instead. Okay, can I set up my estate plan so my house is sold and the money is divided between my children? Um, that would be probably the most typical estate plan. It sounds like this person asking the question is uh, likely unmarried, uh, either divorced or widowed, uh, and uh, or maybe uh, never married but still has children. And yes, you can set up an estate plan that provides that your property is sold and the proceeds divided between your children. 
that would be probably the most common thing I would expect to see um, a parent do. Um, now, whether or not it should be just divided and handed to the children, that's a separate issue. Uh, if you were coming to talk, if this person was coming to talk to me about it, I would ask them questions about their children. Are their children married? Uh, do their children have any creditor issues? Uh, is there a child that owes spousal or child support? Um, it, do you have a child in a high-risk profession where they might be sued for malpractice? Um, do you have a child who is disabled in some way and receiving government assistance for that disability? I mean, there's a lot of questions where, depending on the answers, I might advise as a better approach to leave property in trust for one or more children rather than just hand it to them outright. Uh, I've talked about this over the past couple of years on my show. It's what I call castle trust planning or the castle trust, uh, leaving property in trust for someone protected like it was in a castle with a, a drawbridge and a moat and a high wall and a thick wall and a heavily armed defender called the trustee and the inheritance inside a treasure chamber in the castle that's locked up with a heavy door and a key that the trustee is the only one that has. Um, that would be the kind of thing that I would think would uh, would be very, very useful for many, many families. But uh, yes, the short answer is you could certainly do uh, what the person is asking. Uh, I don't think there's any difficulty with that. Okay. Uh, my father passed away several years ago, and now my stepmother has dementia, and her family has taken over and will not let me see her or have any kind of contact. So I don't know if there's a will or anything, but they did own several properties uh, throughout California. When I go to my stepmother's house, some lady I've never even seen answers the door and won't let me in. What do I do? I know what I want to do, but that will put me in jail. Well, yeah, don't do anything that's illegal. I would start with that. Uh, that's probably a pretty good plan. Don't do anything illegal. Um, you you may you may not really have any right to see much of anything unless you have some independent evidence uh, that your father and stepmother had a trust um, where where uh, some part of that trust may have become irrevocable, you may not have any right to know anything about anything in reference to the property that your father and your stepmother owned, presumably owned together. Okay, we're coming up on the third break of the show today. Uh, when I come back after the break, I'm going to close out the show either with more questions and comments or else just a general discussion about my practice. So I'll talk to you after the final break. This is attorney Bob Bergman. Now, back to Plan Your Estate Radio. Once again, your host, estate planning trust and probate law specialist, attorney Bob Bergman. Hi, welcome back. I thought I'd spend the final segment of the show today just having a, a general conversation with all of you out there um, about estate planning in general and and um, and about 
your particular circumstances. Now, obviously, I can't identify the particular circumstances of every one of you listening out there, but uh, I can ask a few questions of you uh, to maybe get you to start thinking about uh, estate planning and and the issues. And the first thing I would ask you is, um, would, would be, what is the single most important problem that you're facing right now that might be able to be solved with some form of estate planning? And uh, and is it the kind of is it the kind of thing that you're wondering is there a way to solve this problem without without any guesswork on your part? Uh, is there a way to solve it without going to law school and getting a law degree, or without sorting through a bunch of legal language or legalese, which is uh, very difficult to understand if you're not trained in the law? Um, is it a problem that you'd like to be able to solve without going through the probate process? And I've talked about probate uh, over the past couple of years. I talk about it in my seminars. Um, I have actually a, a little YouTube presentation at my YouTube channel, The Law Offices of Robert P. Bergman, uh, that talks about what is probate. A lot of people uh, don't really know what probate is, but they look and they say, gosh, I remember uh, we had to go through probate with my aunt, with my uncle, with my mother, with my father, with my sister, with my brother, or my friend had to go through that with a family member. And uh, it took a long time. It was expensive. It uh, it was completely public. and uh, And it cost a lot of money. Uh, it cost thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. And maybe even it was not a complicated estate, but because of the size of the estate, it cost thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. And then another thing I would ask is, um, are you worried about doing estate planning because, um, you know, it, it, because you think your estate is too complicated? Um or um, would you want to do estate planning uh, or concerned about how can I do estate planning if if your family doesn't get along with each other? And, uh, and a lot of people are faced with that where family members don't get along with each other. And I've had I've had people come into my office and say, well, um, my children don't get along, but I want to do an estate plan where all of them together are going to be my successor trustees of my trust and the executors of my will because then they'll have to work together. And I have to kind of uh, straighten them out right away and say, if they're not getting along right now, what makes you think they'll suddenly get along if you put them all together and try to force them to work together? I'm sure it didn't work when they were growing up it's going to be 10 times worse as adults if you make it so that they're all in there and they have to work together. I mean, I've I've told people sometimes if your children can't work with each other, you probably shouldn't put any one of them in charge of your estate. You should probably go outside of your children 
and maybe even look at hiring a professional uh, trustee, a professional fiduciary uh, that will not have any emotion tied up in handling things for you or handling your estate after you've died. And I do have some people that have done that. Um, and then the other thing is you may be saying, well, uh, I don't even think I have an estate. Uh, so I, uh, why do I need to do any kind of planning? And, uh, well, that's a, that's a legitimate question, but you may be surprised. A lot of people are surprised that they do have an estate, even though it may be very modest. Um, the planning issues can be just the same or similar as someone with a larger estate. And then my other question is, would you like to be able to find out whether someone like me could actually help you out without ever leaving your own house and without having to sit through a, a boring workshop or seminar, which, by the way, I don't do boring workshops or seminars, but there's a lot of them out there, or eating one rubber chicken dinner at some club or restaurant where you're going to a seminar and they're giving you dinner as part of that. I mean, the the deal is this. Um, you can consult with me uh, a lot of different ways, but you can consult in person. You can consult with me virtually online, whatever works the best for you. I'm open to both. I'm fully vaccinated. And uh, now with, with new requirements here in Santa Clara County, I can meet with people who are also vaccinated without masks in my office here in San Jose. So just want to let you know that's available. Uh, feel free to visit my website at lawbob.com. Uh, you can book a consultation with me through there. In a week or so, you'll be able to book a phone call with me just by clicking on a link there, taking you uh, into my calendar. Okay, so this is Attorney Bob Bergman. Have a great weekend, and I'll see you and talk with you next Friday. Have a great weekend. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Plan Your Estate Radio with estate planning attorney Bob Bergman. For more information on today's program or to schedule a consultation, visit lawbob.com, L-A-W-B-O-B, lawbob.com. Or call his office in San Jose, 408-247-0444. That's 408-247-0444. And be sure to tune in next week for more Plan Your Estate Radio with attorney Bob Bergman. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of this station and are for informational purposes only and should not be construed to be legal, financial, or tax advice. Seek appropriate legal advice regarding your particular situation. Attorney Bob Bergman does not offer any guarantees with regard to the outcome of your legal matter. Prior results in other cases do not guarantee a similar outcome in your case. All rights reserved.